Thank you, Nathan. Oh, am I on? Yeah, thank you, Nathan. Um, I, I must say there is some expectations. I do feel a little bit of weight after. For those of you here when Peter spoke, uh, set up um, a bit of expectation for this message on Romans 8. Not just Peter, to be honest. Many commentators say uh, this chapter is the best chapter in all of the Bible. So I feel there's a bit of a weight of expectation there. Good, good that I might be able to preach. Out of the, I've got good content to work with, but... Um, bit of pressure to, to perform, so no, the Lord will help us here. This series in Romans has been amazing, um, you know, I've been impacted, we all have in various ways, but this is actually, I, I would agree, it's the best chapter in, in the Bible, and, and in it we have this focus on the Holy Spirit. If you read Romans 8, the first 17 verses, 16 times the Spirit or the Spirit of God is mentioned. And so that's what we're going to speak about today is the Spirit of God. I don't know about you, but I would have to say, if I was to guess, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is maybe the most misunderstood member of the Trinity. Might be a number of reasons for that. Maybe because we can't see the Holy Spirit. You know, better picture of who Jesus is and, and God. But also throughout church, church history, there's been either an overemphasis or an underemphasis, the, the gifts of the Spirit, and it's created um, fear. Uh, if there's an overemphasis, we might recoil back the other way, and there's been division, and there's an, an, it just has um, probably led us to not seek after the fullness of the Spirit sometimes. But I would have to say, the core business of the Holy Spirit, while gifts are important, the miracles that happen through the Holy Spirit are all important, the core business of the Holy Spirit is to change the human heart. Sometimes we might think, these miracles, that's amazing, God does all sorts of things through the Holy Spirit, but I tell you, I don't know about you, but one of the, ma the most amazing miracles is the way that God would change a human heart. I know my own heart. That is miraculous. And, and is that not the greatest need of humanity? A changed human heart. And so today as we look at the Holy Spirit, we look at the core business of, of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives and how that takes place. Now I thought when I did this, I thought maybe I won't use a prop. That'll be different because I've had so many props. But then as an idea came and I thought, well, here we go. We've got a prop for the last week of Romans, because for those that have been with us, you know there's been props and throughout uh, the series. And I've got in here, this is actually a gift that I gave my wife Natalie when I proposed to her in Noosa a few years back. Um, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to get it wrong if I say the number of uh, years. So let's just say a little while ago. So here we go. In, in it is two things. One is a rock. And one is a poem. I haven't written that too many poems, but I did write a poem for this occasion. There's a bit of a story behind this rock. A little bit, maybe a year or so before um, we got engaged, uh, a friend of mine that I went to Bible college with, he was married to a Christian counsellor, and his, his wife had heard of this men's retreat with Christian counsellors there that she thought her husband should go to. And... Um, he said, oh, would you mind coming with me? And I thought, I'll oh, help a mate out. Let's go to this <laughs> retreat. And within it, there was this one exercise. And uh, maybe 10 or 15 men over at Chapel Hill around a circle. And they asked us to choose a rock. In a pile of rocks there. And just to give you a little bit of context of where I was at at that time. I was about 30 or so years old. Nat and I had probably broken up. There's a story to that. We don't need to go there yet, <laughs> fully. We'd broken up. And um, so 30 or so, failed relationship there. Um, a fair bit of frustration in my heart um, about where I was at. Because I'd said to Nat when we broke up, I said, I just don't think I can love you like I want to love you. I knew it was nothing wrong with Nat. It was something in my heart. The, the rejections of life, the sin of my own life, the sin of 
just the brokenness of the world had led me to recognize my heart needed healing. Our, our hearts are damaged by this world. We can't avoid it. We're impacted in relationships. We're impacted by situations. All sorts of things impact our heart. And at this point, I was asking God, could you heal my heart? And as, as this leader of this session said, choose a rock that represents your heart, you, you probably can't see it fully, but I chose the one that was the most marked the most broken, scratched, the most imperfect rock there was. And I said, Lord, this is my heart. And, and I need you to heal my heart. Now, the good news is, a year or so later, as I said, I proposed to Nan, and she said yes. But when I did, I, I wrote a poem which I've got here. I, did, I haven't read this since, oh, I read it last night, but I hadn't read it since. This poem that I wrote, and I'm not going to read it all to you. But I'll read one paragraph of this poem that will give you a little picture of where my heart was at in that moment, reflecting. Broken dreams, hardened heart, where would I go? Was it possible healing? Really? I wanted to know. Could it really happen? Would I ever come alive? Those early days, a distant memory, would a new day arrive? That gives you a glimpse of where my heart was at. And as I said, I feel we all are impacted by the world and our heart is impacted. But as I said, the core business of God through his Holy Spirit is to heal and restore a broken heart. And that's what we're going to look at today. As we look at Romans 7, if you go back there, you will see Paul is speaking about this wrestle in his heart that is going on, that he, he can't do what he wants to do and he ends up doing what he doesn't want to do. There's a wrestle in his heart. Let's have a look at the end of chapter seven. It says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I, I want to love God. I want to love people. I want to live this way. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against that law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? The wrestle within Paul's heart. Before I go on, I, I want to just say this. When Peter preached on this, you might remember he, he was over this way and he had a table over this side and halfway across the stage and he said, if I've got to jump over that, to that um, table, I can't. And he, he, those who were here, we saw him jump and jump and then he ran and then he tried to jump and he just never could make it. It was impossible. And I want to just stop for a moment and I want to say, if you've been in church... If you've heard even Christian teaching, or for whatever reason, you have felt the Christian life is about getting better, trying harder, get more discipline, just keep on going, keep on trying to jump, knowing that it's impossible, but just keep on trying. If that's ever been your experience, if it is your experience today, I want to tell you that is not the Christian message. Just get better. Be more good. That is not. Right now, just wipe it out. And I want to say, sorry. As a, as a preacher of God's word, as a leader in a church, I want to say sorry. Because that is not God's way. Because if we keep on doing that, if we're trying to jump from this side of the platform to the other, and we keep on failing, there's two things that are going to happen. One is you're going to get burnt out trying to do it. 
You just keep on trying, keep on trying. Please change my heart, keep on trying. Maybe I'll do this. You'll never get there. The second thing you'll possibly do is just give up. I wonder here within this auditorium, those watching online, has anyone just given up? I was asking the question, can God heal a heart? Can I change? Can God do a deep work in my heart? And if we keep on in that mode, we will give up. But that's not God's way. What's what's Paul say here? He says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you notice he said, who will rescue me? He didn't say, what will rescue me? <laughs> Let me get that book. Let me go to that 10-step program. Let me be more disciplined. That might rescue me. He says, no, nah. who? Who will rescue me? Jesus Christ will rescue me. A person, a God will come and rescue. And then he goes on to Romans 8. And as we read it, you will see a contrast between flesh and spirit. Uh, Let's read Romans 8, 1 to 8 together. Uh, Paul writes, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've looked at that. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So in this passage that I've just read, we see two things. See, there are two laws at work, and there are two natures, flesh and spirit. Let me just explain firstly the two natures, flesh. Now, flesh, the Greek word sucks, it it means everything within me that's naturally me apart from any influence of God. No influence of God, just pure Andrew Carnell at his core without God. And we find that that leads to nothing but self. Without God, apart from his influence, this flesh, this sinful nature will take us towards self. And in this passage, we see that it is opposed to God. It's opposed to God, not necessarily that we're warring against God, but it's because it's all about self, about me and what I want and what I want to do or what I need or what I deserve. It's got no time for God. It's in direct opposition And in this passage, it says that a life led by that will oppose God, it will lead to death. And the other thing about this nature that Paul mentions in Romans 7 is that it's powerful, right? Paul's saying, I want to do what's good, but I find I'm doing not, I want to do these things, but I can't do them, and what I want to, I can't do, I'm confused. Anyway, he's struggling, like me, he's struggling. But there's a wrestle within him with this sinful nature. There's a battle within him. It's powerful. It's not just, it's more powerful than us. So if I go back to Peter's illustration when he was jumping, trying to fulfill God's law, trying to live the life that God wants, he runs up, jumps, runs up, jumps. He can't do it. Why can't he do it? Because the law of gravity keeps pushing him down. And he will never get there because he can never escape the law of gravity. 
Similarly, in our life, if we keep on trying, keep on trying in our own strength, you will never escape the law of sin and death that will continue to hold us down, is what Paul is saying. But the good news, he said, is, is there's a new nature. When we accept Jesus into our life, a new nature comes, and it is the Spirit. Let's have a look at the Spirit. In verse nine, it says, you, however... And not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. He's saying the Christian life is not just a a mental idea of this is what I believe. Fundamentally, the Christian life is a change of nature when the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. We either belong to God and have the spirit of God or we don't. There is a new nature that has come. The spirit And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, do you see that? We have to understand this. The spirit of God, Christ living in me, in you. And if the spirit of him, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ will also give life to your mortal mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you, the Spirit of God living in us. Sometimes there are things in the Christian life, in the Bible, we we should not just read over. Just sit on that. Who, who, Who is the Spirit? Well, the Spirit is not just a power. The Spirit is not a wind. The Spirit is not emotion. The Spirit is the the third person of the Trinity of God, the glory of God the fullness of God, the power of God, the love of God, grace of God, all coming, his presence coming to live within the believer. Is that not amazing? We have to comprehend that and say, if if I believe this, I wanna know it and I wanna live it and I wanna see it come in my life because this is available to us, the spirit of God, God's presence coming to live within us. So we have now these two natures that are the, Flesh and the Spirit of God in the believer at war with one another. So let me just encourage you, if you are struggling with sin, it's good. You will struggle with sin and this sinful nature all of your life. Because these two natures will be at war with one another. But let me tell you the good news of this passage. And that's when we look at the two laws. He says there in verse two, because through Christ Jesus, The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now this is amazing. The law of the Spirit sets us free from the law of sin and death. That's one of those things like, wow, that's cool, but what does that mean? So if we go back to Peter, he's here, jumping, gravity is is working upon him. Okay, let me explain it this way. In March, I had to go to Melbourne for a leadership conference. And so I had to go to Melbourne and pack my bags. One way that I could have tried to get there, right, would be to pack my bags, maybe get a backpack, go out the, to the street and then just take a big run up and jump and try and get to Melbourne. I could have tried that, but gravity would never have allowed it. Doesn't matter how often I tried, I would not have got there. I didn't do that, just so you, <laughs> just in case you want. I got dropped off at the airport, I got my ticket, scanned it, went through, crossed the tarmac, I climbed up the ladders, and I went into a plane, and I sat in seat 9E. Sat there. A little while later, the engine started, and started to move, and when we find the runway, the engines kick in, we, we take off, and then before too long, we are flying in the air. The law of aerodynamics has just overcome the law of gravity. Do you see that? The law of aerodynamics has just overcome the law of gravity. Paul is saying there is a new law that overcomes the law of sin and death, the law of the spirit. Now if I I take you to the airport and we sit in front of a Boeing 787, like it weighs apparently around about 100, 120 tonnes fueled up. 
And if I say to you, that plane is going to go in the air, maybe 700 metres, 1,000 metres in the air, and it's going to go 1,000 kilometres an hour, that, that metal that weighs um, 120 tonnes. You, you would say, how is, like, how is that possible? Plane, go, fly. That's no, not possible. There has to be another power at work and another law at work for that plane to fly. It is impossible. Similarly to say... If we are wanting to live the Christian life and we continue to jump, we will not do it. But Paul is saying, praise be to God, there is a new law and there is a new power at work in you that will allow you to do what you thought was impossible. Incredible. The power of the Holy Spirit, represented by the power of that, the, the engines within that plane, the law of aerodynamics, the law of the Spirit, enables what is impossible. I ask the question, can God heal my heart? Can I change? Or do I give up? Paul is saying, the Spirit of God, if you have accepted Christ, lives in you, yes, you can change. There is now a power at work and a, and a law at work that will change you. So my first point here this morning to us in walking with the Spirit is stop trying to jump. Just as stupid as it would be for me to go to the end of my street and try and jump to Melbourne, stop trying to live the Christian life in your own strength. Stop. If you think of that plain illustration, what was I doing? Sitting in a seat. I wasn't flapping my arms, I hope I can help this plane get there. I just sat. And I had my faith in that plane to do what it had the capacity to do. The Christian life is stopping and surrendering and saying, I can't do this as much as Andrew can't jump to Melbourne. I can't. But the Spirit of God living in me can. As I said, what was seemingly impossible then becomes possible. And one little nuance I want to I say, that when I went to the airport, they didn't strap something on my back and say, now with this, this will help you get to Melbourne. And somehow I strapped it on my back and I flew to Melbourne. No, I... I could do nothing. I sat in a seat and the plane did everything. There's a story of, of Corrie ten Boom when she forgave a, a man who was a soldier in the German army that um, yeah, humiliated her and many others and there came a moment when this man came and asked her, Corrie ten Boom, for forgiveness. And she stood in front of this man and said, I can't do this, God, but help me. And she said, the Spirit of God flooded her heart with love and she was able to forgive. You see the difference between God helping us do it and just the fact that we can't, but it must be God doing it through us when we trust in him. It's his work in and through us. So the first point, stop trying to jump. Surrender and be filled by the Spirit. The second thing I want to mention is what is the vision or goal of what Christ has done in our life all through Romans. And in verse 3 to 4, it says, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh, here we go, in order that, so this is the reason, in order that the righteous requirements of law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So saying God came to earth, he Jesus came to earth, he died, he rose again, in order that we broken people could fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. Now, what are the righteous requirements of the law? If I simplify it, 
It's just to love like God loves. Let me read Romans 13, eight to 10. It says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself, Love does no harm to a neighbour. Therefore, love is the fulfilment of the law. So if he's saying we can then fulfil the righteous requirements of the law could be fulfilled in us, it's saying we can then love with the love of God. That Jesus has done all of this, that his spirit could come and then we could love as he loves. In 2 Peter 1, 3-4, Peter puts it like this. He says, his divine power... His Holy Spirit has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that though through them you may participate, participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So he's saying you have in the Holy Spirit all the power we need to love and to live as Christ wants us to live in this broken world. When a baby is born, it has all the DNA and all the nature it needs to grow and mature and to be a fully, a fully human um, adult. In, in there, right at, the, at that moment. And similarly, Paul's saying, like, when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit has come in, the divine nature come into your heart, and then as you mature or, or we let, allow the Holy Spirit to come and work out of our life, we will become more and more like Jesus. This is the work that he does. It's all there within us. And so really, the, the big question is, not how much of the Holy Spirit do I have, the, the question is how much of me does the Holy Spirit have? What, what do I mean by that? I mean that the Holy Spirit comes and God is very, um, what's the word, kind to us and gentle with us and the Holy Spirit will prompt and say, will you, you give me this area of my life? Will you allow me to speak into this area of life? Would you obey me in this area of your life? And from the inside of who you are, we'll begin to work out that the more of the Holy Spirit will take over our lives. It's like being, you know, it's even used in scriptures, like being under the influence of, of alcohol. It, it impacts your thoughts, your feelings, your actions. He's saying the Holy Spirit will come and influence every area of your life and it will be his power at work in you. And I'm not going to talk about all the different areas. All I want to talk about now is the process of how this happens in our human in, in our life, in different areas. The same principle will act in, in your attitudes, in your relationships, in your, 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 your dealing with sin, all, all of those things, that the principle of the Holy Spirit coming, how the Holy Spirit works. I, I love the story we heard last week about the teenage boy in our, in our church here in, in Switch who had got a job and he just started working and all of a sudden had money and he knew that... Um, part of that would be, like he wanted to give. God would want him to begin to, be, to give and to be generous. And uh, so, he, so he's heard God's voice, has been challenged in this way. And then he is out with his mates in a food court with the little money that he's got. And he recognises that if he buys a meal right now, he's not going to have the money that he had set aside to give. So he's got a choice to make. Do I buy my food or do I keep that for others? Can you see self and even spirit? Like what God wants, what God desires, can you see them at work? And he chose to, not, I'm gonna forego a meal and he, he left the, the meal, kept the money to give to, to others. And then um, later one of his friends came and said, KFC have mucked up my order and we have a spare meal here. Do you want it? And he said, yes, I, I, I'd love that. Now, his mum told us that um, his favourite meal was the KFC Zinger Box. And uh, the Zinger Box there with the, 
potato and gravy, he, took that out, he loves to take that out and put hot chips, or large chips in there. That's his favourite meal. And as this meal came over from KFC, he said to himself, he said, if this, if this is my special zinger box with the gravy and potato taken out and chips put in, I will know this is God. And it came over, he opened it up, and there was his meal. Now, some of you heard that story, I'm sorry, but what, what I want to share is the principle behind this. Here's one area of his life that he wants to allow God to come in. We've got many areas of our lives, but this is one for him, finances. And he says, okay, God, I want to honor you in this. There's a wrestle. I, I, I haven't spoken to him. I'm sure he thought, I've got, I've got the money there, I could go and get my Zinger box right now. There's a wrestle between self or what God might want. And he trusted God. He obeyed and then God does the miraculous. God intervenes in that situation. The spirit works in that situation where he has trusted God. And then, he, it's an amazing story. Now the Zinger box, I'm sure he loved it. But that's not what he really got. Do you know what that young man got? He got an experience, an encounter with the living God that he knows that he can walk with him. Now, I, I want to tell us, there is nothing more precious in this world than experiencing the, the Holy Spirit and the living God working in and through us and showing Him, showing Himself to us. That is what we want, is it? Is it not? And as we lay down flesh, as we trust God and put our faith in Him and walk in that faith, we will see God at work. That is what He got out of that story. And that story is being asked of us. God is always speaking into every area of our life, asking, will you trust me? Will you not live to flesh, but will you live to the Spirit? So how does this happen in our lives? In Galatians 5.16, Paul says this, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, my last point... So, so, sorry, my first point is stop jumping. Second point is let God have it all. Every little aspect of our life, let the flesh lay down and the spirit get picked up in every area of our life. And the third one is walk by the spirit. Now walking, there's like two steps in, in walking. Um, and I want to use it as an illustration. It's listen, obey. Listen, obey. Listen, obey. That is walking with the Spirit. The Spirit of God is always talking to us, always. And I know times where I've heard the Spirit of God and not obeyed. I, I've, sat, I've said this before. I've sat in services here or in the old auditorium where I know God's spoken to me and I've walked out of there and not done anything about it. The Spirit is always speaking. And the more we obey and listen, the more we'll hear his voice, the more we'll be transformed, the deeper he'll go in our life. Listen and obey. And the first part of listening is where we set our mind. In verse five to seven, it says, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. That's selfish nature, just filling that selfish, sinful nature. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So an important part of this listening is what is our mind set upon? What, what are our minds thinking about, inclined to? What, what are our minds dwelling upon? What preoccupies our mind? And that's a challenge. As I sat before God and, and asked, like, what, what fills my mind, God? And there is a lot of self. There's a lot of what I want and what I'm thinking about and what attracts me. And God is saying, we, we want to, that, that's okay. And in Romans 12, he says, um, be changed or be transformed by a renewing of our mind. God is wanting to renew your mind. God is wanting to renew my mind. Our brain has over 700 thoughts each day. And a lot of these thoughts will be from messaging coming from the world about what the world would say, ideas and priorities and how to invest our life, our attitudes, temptations and desires. They will all come and they will attract the flesh, the sinful part, the, the selfish part within us. 
But here it's saying the important thing is we walk with the Spirit is to have our minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, when we think of God's Word, don't think of it as something, oh, I really need to read the Bible, like tick that off. No, 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 no. The, the, the Word of God is, is God speaking to us. It's aligning our mind and our hearts with His truth that we can have life and life to the full. And Paul's saying, fill our hearts with God's word, with his truth, that we might have that on the mind. And then as we have that on the mind, we will hear his voice so much more clearly and we will listen and obey. Listen and obey. Because the sinful nature, that fleshly nature will also be speaking and trying to attack, attract us, but we must be in God's word. When we pray, we must pray to align our heart and our mind with God. Prayer is basically, it's the truth saying, God, I can't do this. As much as that plane's not just gonna float up in the sky and travel without intervention, I need you. Why do we pray, church? We must pray. Because we are helpless, but when we do pray, the Spirit of God comes and do, does what we can't. And so as we fill our mind with, with God's word and prayer and worship, we hear his voice and we obey. Listen, obey. Listen, obey. I want us to notice that walking, it says walk with the spirit. Don't run with the spirit. Don't race. It's, it's slow. Walk with the spirit. It, it's not exciting. It, it's, it's steady and it's not spectacular, but I tell you, when you walk over a long period of time, uh, the impossible can happen. Let me explain. Some of you might know, back in 2010, I walked, uh, as part of an event, walking 2,000 kilometres from Cairns to Stanthorpe to raise awareness for 2,000 languages that were still waiting for God's word in their language. Now, when my friend came to me and said, um, do you want to walk 2,000 kilometres and do this? I said, no way, that's impossible. I'd been on a 40-kilometre walk and I had chafe and I could hardly walk the last uh, kilometre. And he said, 2,000 kilometres. I'm like, no way, that's not even possible. But we, we ended up doing it. And this is one of the things that I took out of it, that if, if you walk, just everyone can do that, right? Listen, obey, listen, obey. We can all do that. And if you walk for one hour... you. We, we covered about five kilometres. And if you walk for a day, like we did six-hour days, you're going to cover 30 to 35 kilometres, somewhere around that is what we did in an average day. And if you do that for 83 days, you're going to get to 2,000 kilometres. There's rest breaks. For those that are doing the math, <laughs> there's rest days there as well. 83 days, 2,000 kilometres covered by simply taking one step after the other what I thought, like legitimately thought was impossible, was done. Now God wants to transform our hearts. God wants us to love the world with the fullness of his love and it's gonna happen simply by this. Listen, obey. Listen, obey. And you will look back and say, I'm a different person. I am far from perfect, but I'm not where I was. God has done a great and a deep work by his spirit, by listening and obeying to his spirit in me. I wanna just share just a couple of stories about how this takes place in our lives. The first one um, is a story of when I was mowing um, a month or so ago. I was mowing the lawn and I'd done most of it. I was just up to the last little bit out the front of our our house there and I don't know about you but when you mow the lawn there comes a point when you come to the neighbour's edge and it's like it's really it's unmown and mine is going to be mown and it's very clear there's an opportunity to mow my neighbour's front bit if I wanted to um, so I've, I've come to this point and what I want to show you here is throughout our life there is often a battle between flesh and spirit so I mowed, and you can wonder what my first response was to, to mowing that lawn. And I tell you, it's not the spirit, it's the flesh. It's like, no, I don't want, I've just mowed all of my lawn. I don't want to mow his lawn now. 
I'm tired and I'd like to just finish and get back inside. And then there's this little voice within me that says, uh, go the extra mile. Well, okay. There's a little battle going on here, Andrew. Will you listen to the flesh or will you listen to the spirit? By God's grace, he helped me and I mowed the, the lawn. And two, two things happened when I obeyed that spirit and, and went forward and kept mowing. One is there was a joy. I'm like, it's not that much. This is good. It's, there's a joy in doing something for someone else. And the second thing, and you tell me where this came from, whether it was the flesh or the spirit. As I was mowing, all of a sudden, my, my neighbor is um, Akram and he's a, a Muslim. All of a sudden, this thought goes, do you know it's Ramadan? You could mow his whole lawn. Now, where's that come from? The spirit or the flesh? Spirit. It's the spirit. spirit. But it came like that. And I can tell you that did not come from me. It didn't come from me. But do you see what happens? This is a process in our life. Day by day, the Spirit is speaking. There is a wrestle between spirit and flesh. And we have a choice to obey the Spirit or the flesh. We don't always get it right. I tell you, if you, if you look at our 2,000-kilometer walk, we actually took wrong turns and went in the wrong direction. Then you have to come back and go in the right direction. Similar in Christian life. We don't always get it right. I'm not standing here as one that always gets it right. But there is a battle. We have a choice. But when we choose God, it's like he kicks in. So the Holy Spirit then kicks in and he, he gave me the joy and he gave me, he spoke to me in that moment. And I sent Akram a text and I said, mate, I know it's um, Ramadan at the moment. If you want me to mow your lawn anytime, just let me know. That's not from me. That's the Spirit. And this is the way that God calls us to live. Simple, just keep it simple. Listen, obey. Listen, obey. Listen, obey. I started earlier, Nathan, if I get the other illustration there. I started earlier just saying my heart was like this stone. But a better picture of what our heart should be like is that of a sponge. A sponge. God, the living water, wants to fill us, fill us. Just that, that's, that's my life, filled with the presence of God. Can you see that? Like that sponge is full of the presence of God. And like there's nothing special about the, the sponge, but what's it carrying? It's carrying the living water. And as I set my mind on what the Spirit desires, as I say that I can't do it and in surrender, but by faith, we've got to get this, by faith, the Spirit of God is living in me. As I walk by faith in that truth, I'm filled by God and He wants us to pour out His love into a broken world. He wants to pour out his love. Now, now, the world is not getting a love that's coming from Andrew. The, the world doesn't want a love that comes from Andrew. But as I am filled, as you are filled, our world, our families, our communities need people filled by his spirit where what, what, what's being poured out there? It's God. It's just a sponge, but the sponge is filled with God, filled with his spirit, and the sponge is allowing God to be poured out into a broken world. Church, I, I, I want to say, the world needs Christians like me and you that are filled with his spirit and pouring out his love into the lives around. I want to ask the question, what could God do even just looking at this auditorium, those online, what could God do if there is a surrendered people that are not living for flesh, not living for self, but have surrendered to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to live through them? Well, what could God do? Sometimes I pray for our church throughout the week. Lord, a couple of thousand people out in their workplaces. Lord, fill them and use them. Help them to listen to you. What are you doing in their workplace? Help them to obey. Listen, obey. The world will begin to experience God in powerful ways. I want to finish with one last story. 
Um, as often is the case on a Friday, I'm doing sermon preparation like this and I, I go up to the op shop. This is another, just the way the spirit works, just a little principle I want to add. Um, and it's not about coffee, actually. <laughs> coffee. You go up to get a coffee and I lined up in the, the, the op shop up there, the cafe, was, the line was full. And um, I, I remembered, well, the spirit reminded me that Nikki says, actually, long lines in the op shop are not too bad because it creates great opportunity for conversation. So I thought, wow, okay, like maybe I should look for a conversation. You see how the spirit's working? Nothing, like I didn't fall over, I didn't do nothing miraculous, just the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And, and I thought, okay, I'll listen for like an opportunity to have a conversation. And I lined up and there's this older lady there in front of me and I, I said hello. She said like a little hello. But it was a very awkward one. It's like there's not much going on here in this conversation. I mean, that, like usually I'd like, that's it, that's it. And because I was in this passage, I was like, no, the Spirit of God is in me. God, if God can arrange a KFC box for a young person in our church, he can arrange a conversation for me. Lord, would you help me? So I, <laughs> I went again. I said, oh, is this your first time to the op shop? And she said, oh, no, I've been a few times. But I got chatting to her, and before long, she said she's got a son, Andrew. And all of a sudden, I was like her son, uh, Andrew. And we kept talking, and then before too long, she said, oh, last year I lost my husband. And I said, oh. And I remembered, or the Spirit reminded me, we have a widow's group in our church, don't we? You heard about that last weekend. And before I got to buy the coffees at the end, I said, um, do you know what? We've got a widow's group in our church. They are amazing. They just love one another. They encourage one another. Oh, if you would be interested, I would love to give you some information about the widow's group. And she said, really? Yeah, I'd love that. So by the time I was buying a coffee, I was there filling in all the details and giving her that and exchanging the details. And then we bought the coffee and just then Nat arrived to, to have our coffee. But I said to her, I said, um, Patricia, I said, um, who are you here having a coffee with? And she said, hey, no one. I said, oh, come, come and join us and come and sit and have a coffee with us. And over the next hour, I began to hear her story. Just in 2022, uh, she lost her husband. Um, she went into ICU herself. She lost a sister. She lost a pet. And um, her house was flooded all last year. And she just shared with us. And at the end of the conversation, she said, oh, I love my garden. She said, I love, I love it, but, you know, I've, I've actually been having quite a few falls lately, and particularly this one area of the garden, go down a hill, I just can't get to it. And I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, remind me, do you know what? We have this amazing ministry at church called Bridge Care. And you know what they do? That, that group of people, they go out to people's homes that need help, and they do their yards, and they mow, and do all this work. And if, if you would like, um, I, can, I can connect you with the Bridge Care team if you'd like. And she said, really? I said, actually, Myra, who leads those teams, is sometimes here at the op shop. Uh, we'll just go around the corner and she might be there and I can introduce you. And I went around the corner, who's there? Myra is right there. And I said, Myra, let me just introduce you to my friend Patricia. Uh, she, she's just having a few challenges with her garden. Is there any chance of... Um, doing, doing something for her. And Myra, you should have seen her face light up. We would love to. You could just see the love bursting out of her. We would love to. And we, 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 we chop all it up and we take it all. There'll be nothing there for you. And this, she was nearly in tears. Like, really? Like, you see, when we're listening and prompted by the Holy Spirit, what God can do in loving people. Wherever we are, just loving people with the love of God. Is it in me? No. <laughs> the Spirit of God is, but it's His love in and through me. And that changes our hearts. We can't change our hearts in and of ourselves, but as we come to know of His love, to be filled by His love. He loves me unconditionally. He forgives me. He gives me grace. As we know these truths and as they fill our heart, we are transformed and we pour out God's love into a broken world. Friends, the Spirit of God is here right now. 
the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. And this, after, this morning, I just want to lead us in a prayer. A prayer of just receiving the Holy Spirit, responding to the Holy Spirit. And as I pray, I might just pray over certain things, but I'm going to leave time for you in your own heart to respond to God and the Holy Spirit also. Just whatever it is that's on your heart, just in the quietness of your heart where you're sitting, you can respond also. Would you join me in prayer? We acknowledge, God, your Holy Spirit is here and working amongst us. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We say we need you, Holy Spirit. And Lord, the Spirit always leads us to forgiveness and grace. And firstly, if anyone is here today and you've never experienced the forgiveness of God, just encourage you just to say to him even right now, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for going my own way. I wanna receive you and trust you and follow you. Say that in your own heart. Lord, the Lord knows he's here. He's aware of all of your life, all your heart, and he forgives and he's willing to change. If there's anything just, you need God's grace and God's forgiveness, God's cleansing, just mention that just in your own heart right now, but receive it like the sponge receives, fills, receive his grace, receive his love, receive his forgiveness. I just want to lead in a prayer to acknowledge that the Spirit of God lives in you. If you are a believer here and the Spirit of God is in you, maybe you pray with me. God, I acknowledge today that the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is living in me. Just receive that and acknowledge that that there is a supernatural power, God's presence living in you. And I encourage you to acknowledge, God, I can change. God, you can change me. You can heal me. Maybe you need to say, just in your own heart again, God, come and heal me. Come and change me. Come and mould me. I can't, but you can. Just in your own heart, in your own words, just know that he is able. Maybe there are areas of your life that you've been striving in your own strength. Maybe you've been going your own way, trying to do life all by yourself. Maybe you've been jumping, just trying really hard. Maybe you pray a prayer, something like this, Lord, I let go. Lord, I stop. Lord, I need you. And invite the Holy Spirit to come and change. Believe that the Holy Spirit can come and change your life. And our job is just to cooperate with what he's doing. Listen, obey. Say, Lord, I want to cooperate with you. My life is not my own. Maybe there are areas of your life that you've been doing in your own strength or don't want to give access to. And if, you, if you're comfortable, God, God doesn't press us or push us, but if you're comfortable just to say, Lord, I give you all of me, every area of my life. Maybe there's been areas that he's reminding you of or prompting that he'd like to move in. If, you, if you're comfortable praying, say, Lord, have all of me. Holy Spirit, come into all aspects of my life, particularly those that are brought to mind right now. Holy Spirit, come and bring your life into these places. And Lord, we know that you are big. 
You're the creator God, bigger and more powerful than we can imagine. And right now, God, we acknowledge you are big. You are great and you wanna do big things in and through us. And so Lord, fill us. Fill us with your spirit. That God, across our church, there would be less of me and more of you. Less of us and more of you. That Lord, we would simply be sponges, filling ourselves with the living water, pouring that out upon others. That's our prayer, God. And so Lord, use us. We wanna make ourselves available to you here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. It really is, it's the best news. And, and the, you know, the journey is, we only just started. So much more of God to comprehend and experience. Uh, but the, this song we're about to sing and encourage us to just sing with all of our heart is same God. He's the same God that we read about in the Scriptures. He's the same God today wanting to work in and through us. So let's stand up and worship uh, that God right now. so true and we thank you Lord that you don't leave us to do this journey alone but you come you fill us with your spirit and now Lord I pray come Lord fill us with your spirit help us to live as you've called us to live transform us from the inside out 
I do pray and we ask this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated. I just want to extend sympathy this morning to, to Deb and Warren Key. I just heard the sad news of the passing of Deb's father, Stan Solomon, who's been a very influential minister in our movement for a long time. We're thinking of Deb and Warren and praying for you on the passing of your father and extend sympathy to you and the family. And also just a reminder that down the front here, there's some expressions of thanks to um, Matt and Gemma as well. So you feel free following the service just to come, write a little note of thanks and blessing for them as they step out as well. But thanks so much for sharing with us. If you'd like prayer, our prayer to me down the front, up the back as well. Uh, but God bless you and thanks so much for sharing with us this morning.